Welcome to Fintech Chatting presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech Executive Search. Follow us on your favorite podcast player or Fintech Chatter TV on YouTube. Welcome to Fintech Chatter, the show for everything fintech down under. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins, and today's guest is an old friend of the show, Patrick Coughlin from Creditor Watch. Patrick, welcome back. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this. It's good to see you, my friend. It's <laughs> been a while. I think you met, first made your debut in 2020 when we did the People's Choice Emerging Leader of the That's Year. That's right, or, yes. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't face-to-face like this in yeah. a room, was it? Yeah, it was uh, in the midst of lockdown, I think. <laughs> so, exactly, uh, exactly so, right. nice, so nice to get to do this in person. Yeah, good to have you here. Yeah, And I've got to say, amazing to be here at the Credit or Watch offices, just incredible. Um, even on a gloomy day, Sydney Harbour looks glorious. It is. It's shimmering out there. Yeah. yeah we're very happy with this space. Yeah. Um, well, what I thought we could do today, um, maybe just have a chat a little bit about Credit or Watch and what you do, but also... I guess you're uniquely positioned to kind of tell us and give us some insights as to what's actually going on in the economy and kind of how that translates through to potential opportunities for fintech businesses and, and new startup ideas. But before we go down that path, Patrick, do you want to maybe just give us a little bit of a insight into credit a watch and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So look, we we look at we think of credit a watch as a technology and a data company. I think in a more traditional old school sense where a credit reporting agency or a credit reporting bureau. Effectively, we started out as a provider of credit reports, some debt collection tools, um, credit risk management solution for small businesses. You know, this is going back 13 years ago. There was nothing out there for them. And we thought, you know, there's a million, two million small businesses out there. Let's create something for them. Let's create a tool that the big banks and the telcos and lenders, you know, all over the world utilize for small businesses. And 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 we obviously built it. And and every year since then, we've actually targeted larger and larger organizations. So so within a few years, we weren't just targeting small businesses. We we were targeting, you know, traditional users of, of credit bureaus. Um, and now what we find is we've got this end-to-end um, product offering that small businesses can use, and we've got big four banks using us. And that is ultimately credit risk data and credit risk management software. So how can I onboard a customer in a really nice frictionless way? How can I make sure that they are who they say they are? So you verify them, check their their credit history, their credit rating, their credit report. Do I want to do business with them? And then keep an eye on them ongoing, right? So really, you're just, um, you know, we're trying to make it easy for businesses, regardless of whether you're in trade credit um, or in fintech land, which is obviously a little bit more uh, specific for your audience. We want you to be able to bring a customer on board fast, say yes, really quick with with surety, and then ensure that they remain a really healthy customer for the uh, entire customer, you know, lifetime that they're with you. So one of the uh, uh, challenges that a lot of fintech businesses face, I would assume, is a challenge that you faced at Credit or Watch as well. We talk about the big banks having a monopoly 
what the credit bureaus as well, are, you know, yeah. kind of how to, you know, a, a monopoly themselves. How, yeah. how has Credit or Watch been able to break into that? Yeah, for sure. So there's been a, a duopoly in Australia for, you know, generations. And um, I think we were probably naive around, you know, how hard it would be. And, you know, I think if you were to you know, look at it in a real sort of product market fit sort of perspective, maybe get a consultant, the consultant would come back and say, don't even bother. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, we didn't really have a sense of what we were, were doing 13 years ago and we went into it, um, I guess, eyes wide shut and, and here we are still around and really thriving 13 years later. So, so you're right, there, there was a duopoly in place, but I think we've been able to really break into it, particularly in the fintech lending banking space mm. because we're offering new, more modern technology, better uptime, faster, you know, connectivity and, and just removing, you know, those, those huge barriers around integration and, and getting data from, you know, point A to point yeah. B really fast. You know, traditionally that takes, you know, a huge amount of, of developers. It, it needs, you know, ongoing support. There's, you know, issues around end of life, you know, software or technology. And, and we've really, I think, particularly in the fintech space, I would like to say have done a fantastic job of, of really breaking into that market as a result of that. And I think if you think of fintechs, they're doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Like you, like you sort of touched on, they're trying to um, create something for, for for customers or the user. It might be, you know, there might be software for for a, for a fintech to be able to operate, you know, more efficiently and and with lower lower overheads. Mm. So tell us more about Credit or Watch and and how it's structured as a business. Yeah. So you know, we 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 have a real. Um, desire to innovate, right? That, that's where it came from. We were trying to create a solution for a problem that, that, that small businesses had. Now, we don't only target small businesses. We know that medium and large and banks and fintech, et cetera, all have um, similar, you know, struggles or issues and that we're quite keen to solve. So we've got all of our product development teams in-house in, in, in Sydney, um, and then we've got sort of sales and, and marketing um, across Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane as well. So we service the, the whole market. We, we think about the, the markets that we're going after. So we've got small business teams. We've got what we would call sort of mid-market corporate teams. And then we've got teams that look after, you know, the big end of town, those really, you know, tier one lenders or um, the, the big brands that you would see on, yeah. on the sides of buses and, and at the top of, uh, of buildings. And, and we really try to service them um, with a segmented approach because we know that what a big four bank wants is very different to mm. what a small business owner with, you know, you know three or four employees yeah. needs. So you're an ASX listed organization? Not yet. And right. no plans to actually, right. let me get that right. Um, we are, we are an unlisted public company given this, the number of shareholders that we have. So really we're a private company still. Right. And so what, what does that mean for you as CEO then? Yeah, look, there's been a big shift over the last few years. Um, we we initially, the, well, the shareholders sold the business to a company called Infotrack in yep. 2017. Um, and, and that was a, a really good um, deal for, for buyers and sellers. Um, they were really supportive of me as I moved into the CEO role quite soon after that transaction and, and ran the business, provided capital and strategic advice. And then we actually demerged from them 
late last year. So, so our shareholder base is the same as our old parent company shareholder base. Mm-hmm. Instead of having a single corporate shareholder, we've now got sort of 55 shareholders. And what that's allowed us to do is become um, more independent, sort of run our own show even more than we already did. Um, you know, if we need to go and, and get capital, for example, it's it's on us to go and get yeah. it rather than, you know, asking, um, you know, the parent company, mum and dad, for, uh, for, for more money. Um, and it just gives us, you know, that independence to, to, to go and, you know, really plan for the longer term. And we had a great relationship with our old parent company. We still do. Um, but as a result of that split, we've put a formal independent board in place. We've got some tremendous... Um, directors on board with, you know, amazing experience. And it's actually forced the whole company, particularly me, to all step up to be more sophisticated and move away from that, you know, more traditional sort of startup early scale up into a scaling um, technology business. You know, you start to think about, you know, monthly board board meetings that we have. We want to start really thinking and understanding, um, you know, our risk appetite and and, and what what sort of um, potential pitfalls exist out out there and and ensure that we're mitigating against that. Start thinking longer term strategy. Mm -hmm. So we just, we just had the opportunity to go through and formalize our three-year strategy with with some external consultants as well rather than um, you know what are we doing this week what are we doing next month actually you know what change that idea let's go and chase something else it's great to be able to say no to things I think that's really important it's not just about where you want to play it's about what where you don't want to play what you don't want to do even though you know that there's a good revenue pull there for you, you're really confident to say, no, we're going to stay on this strategy and really go after. I want to talk about that a bit more because what I see a lot of, particularly as we kind of enter into, you know, different economic times, Mm. challenging for some businesses is, you know, kind of the pivot, right? And everybody talks about the pivot. Yeah. And oftentimes what I see having recruited through three downturns is a pivots in most instances, actually not a good thing. Yeah. And it detracts from actually your customers and delivering on what you're really good at. Lose a lot of momentum. Yeah, and lose momentum. And by the time you kind of get to the point where you might start to get momentum, the markets come back and you're missing out on the the kind of traditional business that you had. What's been your experience of kind of, you know, looking at those different revenue streams, looking at pivots and and kind of have, as you say, having that discipline to say no to stuff? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, going through this strategic review, if you will, n- nothing really changed for us, which is good. So we, we certainly didn't pivot. Instead of, I guess the best way to describe it, instead of going after 10 things, yeah. we're probably going after five. Yeah. And it, it's given us the confidence to go, we can go after those things that we already do really well and just do better and faster and, and grow mm-hmm. more. And it's given us the confidence to know that the market size is there. We can continue to grow in that space for the next three to five years and and not yeah. sort of saturate it. Um, we know that, um, you know, from a competitive landscape perspective, we're, we're already doing it better than than our competitors. So, yeah. so keep driving that and, and drive the distance between you and your competitor. Um, and it also makes, makes you really um, aware of where you're sp- using your spending your resources, allocating, you know, people, time and money um, to ensure that you're doing it more effectively as well. So you've got, you know, we've got a lot of confidence in ourselves as a, you know, management and and, and company 
in the and the directors have that, and then you know obviously the real really good support from the shareholders as well. Yeah, how have you found having the the board come on board? Because one of the things I've noticed in this last 18, 24 months is particularly with earlier stage businesses and founders, there's been I think you know fair to say a little bit of confusion as to what a board is there yeah. to do. They're not there to tell you the strategy, kind of. Yeah. So how have you how have you found working with the board and and what's that experience been like for you? Yeah, it, it's re- it was really new, and and um, so if we go back probably two years ago when we put it together, almost two years on to the to the month, um, you know their expectations were a lot higher than what our what we could actually deliver because we just didn't have a lot of the data in house, for example, mm. and it was also new for us because we'd never had this you know real formal board to prepare for and present. So there was probably a six month feeling out period for 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 both of us, yeah. and we all ended up somewhere in the middle, which was really nice. And, and now I, I relish it. I look forward to the board meetings and, um, you know, what, what they provide is a sanity check. Um, they provide that, that challenge to go, well, hold on, you're going to do that. Show me why you're going to do it. Yeah. And then they'll probably ask why a couple more times. That's something you learn, particularly if you go through your um, uh, Australian Institute of uh, Company Director course, you know, ask why, why, why yeah. challenge to make sure that, you know, they really have a, a good sense of, of, of why they're actually, you know, going to spend all that time and money on on a certain project or initiative. Um, the other thing it's provided, and I'm talking about downturn, is, you know, they they had a really good sense of, you know, what's going on in, in capital markets, what's going on in technology world, what's happening in the financial markets. And, you know, they've got a great spread of experience. And they, they forced us to put in effectively a... a um, a minimum cash balance that we couldn't break a cash floor, if you will, mm. within the business, almost, almost 18 months ago, possibly a touch longer to go, Hey, there's some storm clouds up ahead. This is the minimum we want in place. If you want to break that, you've formally got to come to the board and get yep. approval for it. And what we saw quite quickly thereafter was obviously this deterioration in, in markets and, um, particularly technology circles around, yeah. around the world. And, and we were just so well positioned for it because we were set up, now, I, I like to talk about Creditor Watch being quite unique in that we're a technology company that's that's not only growing, but we're profitable, we're hiring people, and we've got you know a, quite a significant amount of money in the bank as well, mm. which I think is quite unique yeah. in in circles. I mean, there's plenty of companies that that we've seen unfortunately you know have to lay people off or have gone you know into administration or had to merge or sell. You know, we're, we're we sort of positioned ourselves really well a couple of years ago yeah. and a big part of that is thanks to the board. Awesome. Now, um, one of the other things that I see is often a, an identity crisis. You do see this a lot with uh, listed fintechs as well where you kind of get this pressure from investors, analysts, that you kinda, you know, you, your business model isn't necessarily what the analysts or investors kind of hope it to be. Yeah. And, you know, what I wanted to ask you about Creditor Watch is you, you mentioned at the intro, your credit bureau, but you've got all these product teams and you're technology focused. Yeah. How do you get the message across to, to investors around, hey, look, yeah, we use technology, but we're actually a credit bureau, so yeah. don't assess us like we're a, you know, a tech business that's going to go on and be a, you know, 
Decker unicorn. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I would probably say what we do is we actually talk about ourselves externally and internally as a technology company yeah. or technology and data um, because most people don't know what a credit reporting bureau is and we are totally set up like a technology business. Right. So it makes much more sense. I think I'll use the credit reporting agency or credit reporting bureau when, you know, talking to those that are, you know, used to it, I guess, yeah. in, in our or market. A customer. That's right, a like customer. Using the end product. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. But really we, we operate and think about, you know, SaaS metrics, technology valuations, yeah. that sort of thing in, in all of our thinking and then that resonates through through the business. Mm. So um, our, our preference is to, to not be caught up in the, um, in the credit reporting world. Yeah. It, it really is a software or technology play. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about your kind of background and journey into the CEO role. But before we do that, um, as you mentioned, you kind of you're on a fairly unique spot here at Credit or Watch with the data that you've got access to. Um, and, it, you know, it is, you know, we are seeing some kind of tough periods at the moment. I guess, you know, from the data that you're seeing, what, what's your kind of overall senses to the, the state of the economy right now? Yeah, look, it's it's really tough, particularly for small businesses. And I think, you know, most people in fintech world have built a solution for small businesses, particularly, you know, from a lending perspective, yeah. if we think about it, or even payments and, and whatnot. Um, we are we are most likely at, you know, peak interest rate. You know, there might there might be one more. Um, and I think there's there's sort of two really key horizons that, you know, ourselves and our customers often talk about one is when we'll, we'll get somewhat of an official um, um, nod from the RBA that there will be no more interest rate rises, but I don't think we'll get that yeah. official nod after the, you know, the official nod two years ago, yeah, no was, interest rate <laughs> rises until 2024. <laughs> so yeah, we, we won't get that, but I think you'll get that confidence through chief economists and, and the media. And then the second will be, you know, when we've got confidence that there'll be a, um, the first, you know, rate cut. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the sort of, you know, high level macroeconomic view. Um, it's going to be, it's going to get harder from here. We know that administrations are on the rise. All of our own internal sort of proprietary data is showing us that companies are doing it tougher, particularly small businesses. They've got less cash. They're, they're taking longer to pay their profile or probability of default. So, so the likelihood of them going into external administration in the next 12 months is continuing to rise. And, and our forward predictive data shows that, that that will happen for, you know, continue to rise for, for another few months. Mm. Um, it will then plateau. So this concept of higher for longer, um, you know, with interest rates, they talk about that in the, in the US and is now starting to resonate in Australia. That, that will be the same from a administration perspective, you know, right. a, a failure perspective, yeah. that the probability of default of, of Australian companies will be higher for longer. And, and that probably takes us through to at least mid next year, sort of June, July next year, before we start to get, you know, a little bit more confidence around it coming off. But the fact is that interest rates, you know, we're really feeling the pinch of that at mm. the moment, both, both as a consumer and, and, a, and a commercial entity. Inflation still remains quite high, even though good signs that it's coming down. Um, and, and we're not going to see a big change or shift from a, you know, a global or, or a local, you know, macroeconomic perspective that, that will make it easier. So mm. it really is, it's tough out there. And, and small businesses, as we know, um, they don't have access to capital or debt markets like, you know, larger organisations. Yeah. So, so they're probably, you know, are living month to month at the moment. 
Um, so if you were going to put your kind of founder hat on, Patrick, and you were looking at this data, where would you see potentially opportunities where fintech can help? Yeah, so it's a really good, really good question. And, and I think if we take away the the, the capital market situation, yeah. right, the, it's going to be difficult to raise money as a, yeah. as a fintech, as a startup, even as a scaler. Let's put that to the side for, for a moment. Um, I think this concept of productivity, automation, efficiency is is really important. You know, the government and the and the, the productivity productivity commission is talking about it all the time that we're sort of you know we're well off where we need yeah. to be. Um, so I think anyone who's who's helping businesses do business better, faster, more efficiently is, is going to be positioned really well to to have success. I think. The, the struggles for small businesses getting access to capital will remain forever. Mm. Um, the challenge for, for, you know, smaller lenders and fintechs is that, you know, their cost of capital has, has risen significantly. Yeah. So to compete against the monopoly or the, you know, the, the big four, the big six um, is, is really challenging there. But, you know, small businesses still need and want access to capital and, and they've shown that they're prepared to pay mm. more for it than, you know, yeah. um, what they what they probably should. Um, so, yeah, I think productivity and efficiency for us is is the really mm. big thing. And, and, look, that's something that we focus on. We want we want to be the the pipes of, you know, every commercial lending decision in, in Australia. Yeah. You know, if we can help you say yes more often, safer and faster, then that's what we've, we're prepared to, uh, yeah. to build towards. Awesome. Now, on that note, um, CDR, you know, it's, you know, we're what, three years in yeah. now? Um, seems to be moving at a pace probably not quick enough for certainly for the the fintech industry and for startups yeah. who as you pointed out you know kind of running out of capital where do you see a business like creditor watch um being able to evolve and and really you know we talk about cdrs being the consumer data right but i also believe that commercial has data, a massive, right? yeah commercial <laughs> data is probably where there's a better use case for yeah. it right now than say consumer data what, what's your kind of view as to you know the cdr credit and where credit a watch can play and as you talked about that being that pipes and plumbing yeah for you know the kind of commercial infrastructure yeah look i think um anything that requires sort of government legislation initiatives is is really challenging now there's you know, it's not, we're not here to obviously bash government. It, that's just the, the way it works, it's right? It is, right? It's, it's like and, just two and, very different worlds, right? And it's never going to change. Yeah. And, you know, they've really got to, you know, measure five times, cut once yeah. rather than, you know, the rest of us who measure once, maybe measure twice before yeah. we cut. Um, so that's always going to be a struggle. And I think any business that gets into an industry that is really reliant on, on government um, initiatives, legislation, movement, yeah. you know, runs the risk of... Yeah never having a decision made and therefore unfortunately running out of cash despite yeah. the fact that they've got, you know, a genius idea that, that could be a, you know, a billion dollar idea. Um, so I think, yeah, I think CDR certainly has a really important um, job to play uh, or place to play in, in the commercial world. Um, I would like to think that, you know, um, businesses are probably more willing to share data, right, to, to actually facilitate a decision than a, than a consumer, particularly yeah. with all of the, the, the hacks and, you know, security yeah. cyber incidences that, that happen every, every week now. So I think that that's a positive. But at the moment, the way it's set up is just so unbelievably um, difficult for, for 
you know, commercial um, companies to actually participate that it just won't, it won't go anywhere until yeah. those have changed. You know, I think you have to, there's that opt-in, opt-out sort of um, challenge that, that exists. Some, yeah. Sometimes you've got to go into the, the bank itself to actually opt in to be able to use it. If you've got multiple signatories, yeah. you know, all of those sorts of things yeah. that you don't really appreciate. It should be, it should be just turned on off you go. Let's, let's yeah. get on with it. Right. So, um, so look, I think it's got a fair way to go. Now there was a bit of a sprint a couple of weeks ago and that was, you know, announced right around the time of intersect, which, which is good, but it kind of feels like interval training, you know, there's a sprint and then it's yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> you're sort of just plodding along for a while. And then there's, you know, news that comes out of the government. I'm a little bit cynical about it, to be honest. I think we're still a couple of years away from it being um, properly adopted, not even fully adopted. Um, I think I've got someone will owe me a lunch or I'll owe someone a lunch in the uh, CDR world if it's, if it's not up and running by the end of this year. And I'm feeling quite, (laughs) quite confident about that. Hopefully he's watching or listening. Um, And then look, from Credit Watch's perspective, we obviously keep a really close eye on it because it it will help facilitate credit decisions, right? And it will help facilitate faster or more accurate credit decisions. So it's definitely a place we will play. Um, And if I was to sort of, you know, guess, I I would say it would be a a sort of partner, partner with someone who's really, you know, good at it or the best at it, to be honest, rather than try to build it ourselves, given how technical, complicated and, um, um, challenging it is yeah. with, with the need to rely on government. Um, we've talked about the economy a bit and it's not to dwell on it, but I think it's just that, you know, the dynamics have shifted so much and there's something that you just said before, which I think perfectly kind of summarises what I think is the, has been the challenge for people to get their head around, you know, and this is where you're building businesses on the promise of a legislative change down mm. the future or something that's going to be a decade off you know, in this race to be first. And I think we're kind of at a moment in, in time where the race to be first isn't worth winning right now. And the race to just get revenue in customers yeah. is the one that's, that everybody should be running. Um, with, with that, with that in mind, like with credit, I watch what has been the approach that you've taken to building from a technology perspective, because, you know, this has gone back like even pre COVID, right? I remember I'd be talking to chief execs and it was whether they were in a like 10 person startup or an exec in a bank. And I, the one thing that was keeping them awake at night, you know, and there's lots of things, you know, cybersecurity and all that stuff. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that was keeping them awake more than anything else was, is the thing that we're building even going to be relevant in 12 months' time? How have you, as CEO of Credit or Watch, taken that lens on technology and built stuff that you, know, you, you hope isn't going to be irrelevant in 12 months? Yeah, really good question. The reason I was smiling is because we've, we've you know, had this sort of internal debate um, quite recently around this concept of product-led growth versus sales-led growth. Yeah. And I think, you know, historically we've always been, despite the fact that we were really innovative and, and we introduced new products and systems and solutions and data to, to the credit reporting world, the old sort of mm-hmm. stuffy credit reporting world, you know, we were always sales-focused, yeah. sales-led you know, if we had, if we were, you know, we raised capital, we went and got salespeople and and we would, you know, build, you know, a new product off the back of some feedback from a client, but we were obviously selling to them first yeah. rather than, you know, getting the feedback first, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so we were always sales led, but building, you know, really innovative products. And then more recently, 
we had this internal debate as part of this, you know, strategic thinking is, you know, what are we? Are we product led? Are we, are we sales led? And it's going to sound really corny, but we're actually what we call customer led because we couldn't actually yeah. come up with, you know, confidently say that we were product led or, or, or sales led. So I think um, the, the long, the sort of long winded answer there um, to get to the short answer is, you know, we've always been focused on bringing revenue into the business yeah. because we didn't go out and raise, you know, millions or tens of millions of dollars to give us, you know, two, three four five year runways you know we always mm. had to make payroll you know yeah. the next month so that that sort of um historical legacy mentality has meant that we've always been very focused on ensuring we are not only selling what we currently have and, and therefore paying for any future innovation but really really challenging our thinking around all right if we are building this how sure are we that there is a market for it Right? Are we going to spend 12 months building something and like you say, there's no market for it, all the market has shifted. So I think, um, you know, we've, we've been quite um, hypersensitive to that and, and I think sticking to the core has been really important and we have this concept in, in the business now of core then more, you know, focus on what we do really well and focus on things that, that exist around our core offering rather than getting excited or yeah. distracted by the shiny things yeah. that exist on the horizon or, or potentially, you know, on the periphery um, because you can spend a lot of time and money and, and realize that, you know, I should have spent that, you know, yeah. million dollars worth of R and D on, you know, upgrading yeah. my existing, my existing product, for example. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your, your kind of trajectory into the CEO role. So um, how did you get started with credit or watch? Yeah. So um, out of uni, I started working for a, a small publishing business selling digital advertising, online advertising to, to brands so they could advertise on, on this small business publication website. And I did that for a couple of years and then wanted to go out and, um, you know, work for a, a Fairfax or a Google or a Yahoo, yeah. you know, a larger um, publisher. And, um, and then the, the thinking was I'll do that for a couple of years here in Australia and then maybe go off to, to New York or, or London and work overseas. Um, the, the guy who I worked for, Colin Porter, um, said, look, I've got this idea for another business. When you come back from traveling, I was going away in South Africa for the football world cup, um, and came back and chatted to him about this business idea that he had, you know, he had, hadn't hired anyone. It was just, look, my advertisers, as you know, advertise and then don't pay their bills. And then, you know, we speak to their competitor, our competitors and say, did so-and-so pay his bill? No, didn't pay us either. I was like, here's a real problem that every small business probably yeah. deals with. Let's create a solution for it. So I, I thought, okay, like, let's give it a go. Um, and then that was credit to watch back in the day. So that the, the MD of, um, of the publishing business was the MD and founder of Creditor Watch. There were three of us at the very beginning, uh, myself, Colin, and our chief technology officer, Dale Hurley. And we literally set about, you know, whiteboarding what, what this solution for, you know, bad debt looked like yeah. for, for small businesses. And that was, yeah, 13 years ago in, in August. Wow. Um, so it was no one really knew what was going to happen. You know, even back then sort of startups weren't necessarily a, you know, a, a thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just were starting a business. Yeah. Um, the concept of, you know, venture capital was very new and none of us came from the, the credit reporting world. Um, none of us came from, you know, the technology software venture capital world either. So it was, it was really brand new and we 
just went, let's give it a go and see where this takes us. Mm. And we were fortunate that um, we were able to raise some capital um, about probably 18 months, two years in. Um, they were quite supportive of the idea, which was really good. And and from there, we, we basically focused on, as I said, yeah. revenue, which allowed us to continue to hire and hire. And, and really, we've kind of kept that through from, from then. Do you feel like you've changed much as a person on that journey? Yeah, a huge amount, huge amount. I mean, I was um, 24, a couple of years out of uni, um, single. I'm now married with two kids, so that'll change you for, yep. for the better, I will say. Um, but I think also every, every sort of two or three years, it was like a new role and a new business, yep. right? You know, we were we were whiteboarding, you know, what, what we were thinking of doing and then we were building and then, you know, we raised capital and then we deployed that capital and we started hiring people and, you know, all of a sudden you get to sort of some key points along the way, like 20, 20 staff, you know, almost cash flow break even or yeah. cash flow break, break even, you know, 50 staff, profitable, 100 staff, you know, yeah. and it, and it just sort of happens. You, you rarely actually sit, have a conversation and reflect on it, but yeah. it really is a different sort of role every few years. And, and talking about putting the board together, you know, this is a really different role for me um, that started probably two years ago when those yeah. board members came on and we were able to go out and get some really, really good quality um, executives that, that report into me across, yeah. you know, product and, um, finance and HR and, and, and marketing. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a wonderful journey. So how, how, where have you gone then for guidance and, and mentorship? Because I would assume to go on that journey, you know, and you kind of come from the, you know, the same people that you'd worked with previously and mm. you founded, you know, were part of the founding team with the, those people, you've not really had the experience of kind of working in big corporates yep. and kind of gone through that you know, experience of just seeing how other people do it and yep. how other businesses operate. So where, where have you gone to kind of get that input and guidance and yeah. you know, mentorship and yeah. just experience? So look, I think we were fortunate, obviously Colin had, had run businesses before. So we had that, you know, that really good sort of senior person within the business who'd, who'd run smaller businesses, which was, which was great. Um, one of the, the, di- one of the directors who came on board from the, the, the VC fund, I'll call it provided, um, you know, just good guidance and governance yeah. around ensuring that sort of financials and documentation and things like that were in place. And, and I remember him sort of testing me, Oh, okay. You know, you've got sort of five of you in sales now. What's, what's your sales? Yeah, do you know what your sales pitch is? And I'm like, yeah, what, I mean, we know what it is. And he was like, okay, so give it to me. I was like, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. So yeah maybe it's, maybe, sell, yeah, sell me this pen. yeah, literally <laughs> was selling this pen. Yeah. And, and you quickly realize like, okay, maybe it's not as slick. Yeah written down and everyone's singing from the same, you know, hymn sheet. So, so, so that sort of, that definitely helped. You're also like startup world, just head down, bum up, yeah. work, 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 your head pops up every 12 months, you know, and, and we were fortunate that we were growing and winning, which makes things a lot easier, right? Revenue growth gives you oxygen. Um, and then there were some sort of key, key points along the way, obviously selling the business in, in 20, 17 to, to InfoTrack, we started to get a lot of guidance from them because yeah. they'd been on a, a sort of similar tear to us, but they were probably five to seven years ahead of us. Yeah. So the chairman came onto our board and um, he, he would provide advice and we'd go away and, and we actually implemented a, 
like a strategic framework for, for the business and, and for the executive and for, for all staff, which was really beneficial. We never had anything formal like that yeah. in place. And, and obviously more recently the new board and, and demerging has taken us to that new level and, and given yeah. us exposure. But, um, yeah, we, we would lean on obviously people either in the industry or, or um, you know, those that, that we would meet along the way yeah. um, to take advantage of, of their knowledge base. Um, and then as, as we've got bigger, we've obviously been able to rely on either formal, you know, advisors, board members, yeah. or, um, you know, I've done a couple of courses as well that, that have really helped. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting about your your journey, Patrick, um, you know, obviously I meet and deal with a, a lot of founders and when it's your idea and it's your baby, ego gets in the way, right? And like sure. a founder, you've got to be ego driven. Otherwise, there's no way you would ever do mm. <laughs> be crazy enough to do it. But I think also what that can do is it can kind of put up blockers, you know, barriers to learning. Yeah. By the sounds of it, you know, how we've explained your journey, it's almost like you've been like this sponge and just absorbed all of this kind of information and people. And maybe it's because, you know, yeah, you were there from the early days, but it wasn't necessarily your baby. You maybe it's been able to have a little bit more of an open mind. Yeah. That learning. Yeah. Actually, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, to be honest. Um, it's a very, very good, very good point that you've made. I, th- I think, I think, in in a similar way to the question you asked before around, you know, advisors or you know, input influence. Um, as, as we've got bigger, we've been able to get people into the business who are better at their job than you are. And we've, yeah. you know, I've always had that concept of, you know, you, you can't be the best at effectively anything, right? Mm-hmm. You want the best people doing their jobs, yeah. whether it's marketing, product, technology, finance, et cetera. So mm-hmm. we, we've been we've been fortunate to get those people in, particularly into sort of key spaces like, like sales and technology and product, um, you know, years ago, more so recently, we've got what other people have come in um, who come to you with their ideas and how they're going to do it. Yeah. And effectively you're, you're, either testing it or um, going, shit, that's a great, that's so much yeah. better than, you know, what yeah. I would have come up with. How, how can I help facilitate this? How can I help do it faster? What do you need from me? Yeah. So I think there's, you know, there's always been a lot of trust in um, the executives and senior managers and leaders within the business, regardless of whether there was sort of, you know, 30, 40, 50, or a, we're at 180 now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always been able to rely on, um, the people in the business to help drive it forward. And, and yeah, you're right. There's, there's been a, a significant, or I'd like to think there's been a significant lack of, of ego within the business. No one wanted to do it. You know, it's my way or the highway yeah. type of arrangement. Um, and then more recently, I think once you've got that formal board in place, it's very difficult for, you know, a single person to, to have total control, mm. right? Because you've got those guardrails and someone asking why, 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 yeah. why over and, over and over. Yeah. I think, I think also, um, you know, we, we put a huge emphasis on, on culture and, and I think if you, if you were to be that sort of ego maniac who's leading the business and you can't convince others to come on the journey with you, then you ultimately won't be successful, yeah. particularly as you get bigger, you simply cannot do it all on your own. Once you get yeah. to sort of, I would say, 50 people you got kids right yes i think everybody believes like looks at culture like they look like they mm. look at their kids 
everybody thinks their kids are awesome. Yeah. Everybody thinks their culture is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I think one of the kind of challenges that you have, and I think, you know, you talked about becoming a, a parent and it is a life-changing experience. Yeah. It certainly was for me. And I think, you know, the the hardest part about being a parent is that the feedback is right there in your kids. And I've got experiences, you know, we still have them just yesterday, right? Yeah. Kids do something that you don't necessarily agree with. You know, where did they get that from? And yeah. you look at your wife and it's like, she's looking at you and going, yeah, yeah. and you've got to look in the mirror and you're, you're kind of in, and I think that's ultimately what culture is, right? It's yeah. a reflection of how you are as a leader mm. and the bad stuff kind of, you know, that's down to you, right? That's yeah. not down to the, yeah. the staff, that's down to you and how you lead. And I think it's kind of one of the, you know, challenges around cultures. It's not these words, not these aspirational totally. values. You it's like live a mirror it. of who you are as a, as a leader and a chief exec. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, spot on. It's, it, it is really important. And I think there's obvious metrics or um, ways of measuring whether that, that culture that you think is great is actually great. And, um, you know, our retention has been has been really, really good, mm. even through, you know, being a software company when, you know, product, particularly product people and, and developers were, were getting, yeah. you know, silly dollars thrown at them left, right and centre through, through you know, 2020 and 2021, 22. Um, we were able to really, really mm. hold on to and, and also recruit, you know, Creditor Watch isn't a brand name. We're yeah. not CBA, we're not Atlassian, we're not Zero. you know, we're a, what I would say a fairly operating in a fairly unsexy uh, part of the world, but we were able to recruit and we still are growing. Uh, we're able to recruit really, really good quality people to the business. So I think the, the, the cultural narrative resonates really well. Mm. And I think um, getting your, your staff behind your strategy and, and, and where you want to go and why you want to do it and how you're going to do it is really important because if they're on board with it, they're the ones ultimately yeah. who are going to drive the success of the business. Now, we get amazing talent listening to the show. I'm sure there's some that are listening that are probably quite interested in you know, the, the credit or watch business and the journey that you've been on. Um, obviously, if they're listening, you know, a shout out to where they can find out more about careers. But what have you got planned over this next 24 months that um, if there is somebody listening, could be part of that journey? Yeah, look... Um, we're at the beginning of, you know, this this big three-year push, three-year effort, strategy, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm genuinely as excited as I've ever been within the business. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've got a real clear understanding of where we want to go and, and how we're going to do it. And, and some of the, the numbers and the goals that, that we're putting up in front of us are they're big. Um, so to go and achieve them, there's going to be a huge sense of achievement that, that comes with them. Um, we also, I would challenge almost any business to say that they have, um, more fun than credit watch. Now, again, credit reporting isn't, isn't a sexy space, but Jesus, we have a lot of fun along the way as well. Yeah, I tell you what, I'd work here just for the offices. <laughs> that's it. That's it. There's the vote <laughs> yeah, of confidence. The views, eh? Yeah. 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 Well, Patrick, it's been fantastic to have you back on the show. Really great to hear about the business kicking on. Um, where can people find out more about careers? Yeah, you can. Um, you can. To be honest, you can 
slide into my DMs on uh, on LinkedIn if you want, or you can go to Creditor Watch. I think it's under About Us. There's a careers page in the uh, in the footer as well. You can click on there and, and have a look. But to be honest, if there's a role that's not there that fits, you know, what you're looking for, I'm I'm always keen to meet new people within the industry or people that are interested in joining Creditor Watch. We often will find good people come to us via a referral or, you know, through the contact page or through LinkedIn. And, you know, we often find a, a role for them because, um, you know, we're growing fast. We know what we need for the future. And if we need to accelerate investment because we've, you know, come across a really good ca- candidate, then, then we'll do that. Brilliant. Well, as always, Thugs, thanks for listening. Um, You can follow me on LinkedIn and the platform formerly known as Twitter. If you're coming back, thanks so much for your support. And if you're new to the show, make sure to give us a follow on your podcast player of choice and leave us a review. It really helps me promote great founders and CEOs like Patrick and great Aussie businesses like Credit Watch. Until the next episode, keep well. Fintech Chatter is produced by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. We'll find world-class leadership talent to build world-class fintech ventures. And you can find us at tier1people.com.